Hello, hello, Dave Ford here, Environmental Intelligence Podcast. Super excited to have our, our friend, Mr. Benjamin Von Wong with us today. And he just launched an incredible new art installation designed to really bring awareness you know, to the world around the plastic crisis. So Ben, what's going on, man? You're in Hawaii. Yeah, dialing in from Hawaii right now. Um, just launched a project three days ago called Turn Off the Plastic Tap. Essentially, it is a three-story tall art installation that is leaking, faucet, uh, leaking plastics into different environments. We basically built this art installation and had it travel to different spaces, a beach, a recycling facility, a landfill, um, a playground, and a container yard. And then currently, it got shipped all the way to France. And so that's just launched, uh, I think, today. Um, so if you're in Paris and you want to go check it out, you can physically go visit this thing. Where, where, where in Paris? It's in the Canadian Cultural Center, which is essentially um, a building that's owned by the Canadian government. Because Paris, like France and Canada, are friends. I feel like, yeah, it's a good thing France and Canada are friends. We should all be yeah. friends. I think, <laughs> luckily, most people are friends with France these days. But anyway, yeah. um, uh, let's let's get back into into more of like what we know, and uh, as opposed to what we don't know, and. Invite. I think you know this is the environmental intelligence podcast. I mean, what you do is, and we met uh, Ben and I met on the Ocean Plastic Leadership Summit in the middle of the Atlantic Gyre a few years ago when we brought the entire plastics industry together, uh, really to to go out and, and and feel what the Atlantic Garbage Patch was was feel and see and experience it. And Ben was our resident artist there, and you know, so maybe you know, some of your past work has been really incredible, but. I mean, tell us a little bit about your philosophy and when you create art and, you know, really what, what sort of impact you feel like it, it can make. Yeah, I mean, I think art has sort of this unique place in the world. So first off, maybe we could define what art is and what I, what I think it should do. I think art is meant to be a little bit uncomfortable because good art is designed to help you change your perspectives around something. It's designed to challenge the way that you think. Um, and so in my case, when I start blending art and activism, the goal is to get people to take an issue that they may already know about or not be too familiar about and ignite a sense of curiosity so that you can create the on-ramp to discover more or think more or think differently about whatever it happens to be. When it comes to the work with plastics, I found it to be particularly effective to not only show the volume of plastics that we consume, uh, but also to kind of um, give people a feeling right i think i think the work that i do is simultaneously beautiful and tragic and there's this this kind of paradox in the work which creates a, a question what am i looking at how was it done why was it done tell me a little bit more and if there's one thing i think the world needs today it is more conversation and less finger pointing and i hope the work that i do kind of sets the foundation for that can you show us what this latest piece looks like yeah, for sure. I'll share with you guys a blog that I kind of wrote um, because I think it does a fairly good job of explaining what it does. So, um, you know, I put a lot of time trying to put maybe too much information into this blog post, but essentially um, the whole the whole project is documented uh, with a 15 minute video that really breaks it down. You get to see how my whole family got involved. But essentially the project is we we took a bunch of uh, ventilation ducts that we scavenged inside of a building converted are, it into a giant faucet. Those are massive. Yeah, it's an industrial building that we, uh, we, we went into and just kind of cut down the pieces that we wanted in order to figure out what would make a faucet look good. 
Then we found this like manual forklift, uh, which is usually used for hoisting speakers or or anything, any heavy objects really, it's just hand cranked that we could place this faucet on top of. And then we just transported it to different places. It's right? so, and so this is one of the photographs that we created in a playground. And that little guy in the front there is my nephew. Um, and so because this was the, during the shot during the pandemic, uh, I got the chance to get my entire family involved in the project. It's so um, beautiful. And we, we are like live on like Apple Podcasts and Spotify now. So not everyone's going to be able to see this unless you're watching oh, on no. YouTube. So like, mm -hmm. I don't know how to, so it's, it's just, it's this tap that is sitting in space. Uh, and from it, quite a bit of single use plastic is just, it's just, I don't know, Ben, help me, man. Help, help. How do we describe this? It's gorgeous. Yeah. So I think, I think there's a lot of these um, levitating faucet images that we've probably seen where water typically flows down from it. It's like a pretty common image. Um, and I just kind of commandeered that thing that people are very familiar with and replaced water with plastics, which in essence is kind of what's happening when we, we talk about plastics flowing into the ocean or, or microfibers entering the water stream from our laundry or microplastics entering the water from you know, the, the shower, right? Microbeads and so forth. And so this idea of, of, of water being replaced by plastics, I thought was a very powerful symbol. And, and, and the fact that it was levitating, I think just creates a sense of like questioning. People look at this and they're just like, wait a minute, how, like, this is real, wait, but, but I, I still don't get it. Even if I know this is real, I don't get it. How is it being held up? And so I think that all the images are, are designed to create that way. But then Every, every layer you dive deeper in is where things I think become more interesting. Like if you, if you start looking at like, well, how were the plastics tied together? Well, we actually took two liter plastic bottles and my dad helped me build a little tool to convert bottles into rope. And so we used that string to tie plastics together. And then each individual piece of plastic was contributed um, by folks, but this is during the pandemic. So everyone had to individually clean their stuff before giving it to us to ensure that it was wow. as safe as possible. And then, and then from there you have to find like the different locations to go. And so like finding access to a container yard that would allow us a whole day to build an art installation in the middle of it um, and then tear it down when they don't really have any incentive to do so is, you know, very challenging. So. I love that picture. I love that picture. It's like just it, that like is the supply chain picture, you know, just mm -hmm. in in a cargo yard with just just, you know, massive container piled on massive container. Uh, if you are listening with Ben, what's the what's the website that people can go just check this out really easily? Yeah, so that they can just go to turn off the plastic tap.com and it'll take them wherever they need to go. Um, we're in the process of finalizing a website right now. And so each piece is just slowly but surely coming to life. The, this project is incredible. And we've been tracking it since the beginning. I mean, I, when, when Ben came up with it and like sort of early inception, he, he showed it to us. And I mean, I think the sky's the limit. What, what's your strategy for how to, you know, get this, get this out in the world? What's, uh, you know, how, how, how do you make sure as many people see this as possible? Well, I mean, it's it's becoming increasingly challenging to ensure that whatever it is that you want to say, that people are going to pay attention to it. Um, I think algorithms today really favor people who are regular, consistent. They stick to a single topic. They just kind of, you know, follow a format. And um, it seems that that is what gets people most engaged. And since these social platforms want engagement, that's what they prioritize. 
the work that I do is a little bit different. It's sort of, I mean, it took me a year to pull this project together. And so for most of the time that I'm building these projects, I'm not talking about them. So um, it means that my audience, even though I have half a million followers, isn't necessarily well suited to getting the word out there. Like it can give it a little bit of a boost, but it's not gonna get it where it needs to get to. And so for this campaign, what I decided to do was team up with over, uh, I think 13 different nonprofits who, uh, who have put them into their newsletters uh, or their social channels and they're amplifying it to their audiences uh, on the call to actions that are specific to them. So WWF is pushing a global plastics treaty. Greenpeace is pushing for Joe Biden to sign um, some kind of an agreement. Uh, there's groups the Basel, like Upstream. The Basel Convention. I'd sign the Basel Convention, which is where the container yard image is perfect. Um, <laughs> uh, and then and then Upstream is pushing for uh, you know restaurants open with reuse. Surfrider is also trying to get people onto their ocean um, their their ocean friendly restaurant program. And so like every single nonprofit has their own actions that they're hoping people will take and that's what they do best and so i figured well it's not my job to come up with the one call to action that will solve the world's problems why not just collaborate with all these nonprofits and say hey these are a new set of images get out there use them uh, i not only have photos you can use i have videos i have instagram reels i gathered a bunch of artist influencers that have taken this giant faucet and remixed it themselves into different iterations of it and so it's become much more of a community strategy as opposed to an individual artist saying like oh look at what i did and share it um and uh that's what i've been working on i mean every day i'm i'm trying to get more people involved i have ten thousand dollars of prizes um that i'm giving away so that if anyone shares this campaign on instagram on facebook on linkedin um they get entered into this prize pool um which is which is pretty awesome so i've you know really thought about the back end on like how can i get as many people involved as possible it's incredible it's just like the uh decentralized approach to some degree exactly. right? just letting people yeah, yeah, yeah. sort of write their own story on top of it yeah so right. i lose a little Open bit of source. control but i think i think at the same time this is a problem that affects us all and if everyone just got more interested in it it would be a good thing well, it's interesting. I want to talk about the global treaty because that piece of art that you've created encapsulates the biggest argument around the global treaty, which is mm -hmm. whether or not there should be virgin plastic reduction goals that are or mandates that are a part of this global treaty, which is for those of those of you that may not be tracking it closely, uh, the global plastics treaty is so far I've seen support from over 100 countries even like to some degree the petro the petro petrochemical se sector has come out and said they're in favor of like a minimal treaty uh to essentially look at standards and definitions and really unifying so that everyone's playing off the same playbook around the around the world harmonizing scientific reporting and monitoring and then on the sort of on the activist side you know a lot of countries are right aligned with the activists they, they want to turn turn the plastic tap you know, down, not off, but like have it reduce in the same way that the refrigerants were reduced in the, on account of the Montreal uh, protocol. So what you've built is really the central argument that's happening right now and which is going to be uh, the mandate of whether to move forward really early in, this, in, in, the, in the whole process here, but the mandate of whether to move forward with the Global Plastic Treaty is going to be taking place 
if COVID cooperates in March, uh, or sorry, in February, 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 in February, yeah. in February, 2022. And, um, uh, I know you're talking about going there and we, we, we too, uh, knock on wood, we'll be there. So what, what can yeah, we do to I, help you get there? And what are your thoughts on everything I just said? Yeah. So my, my personal opinion is that I think we definitely need reduction targets. Um, uh, primarily because, so it's it's very there, there are no restrictions on production of single use plastics. You can produce any any almost anything in any format um, without you know all these blended plastics that are impossible to recycle, and you can slap whatever labels on and and hope that whoever's on the other end can figure out what to do with it. And so it's this very like sort of um, one directional relationship at this moment um, where producers can do anything they want and. Um, on, on the collection side, it's up to them to figure it out. And so this asymmetrical relationship doesn't quite work. And so what the solution is, once again, I know there are a lot smarter people that are working towards it, um, but I think we can all agree that there's some amount of reduction um, that, that needs to happen, not only for plastics flowing to the ocean, but at the end of the day, plastics are petroleum-based, right? So from, from a climate perspective, it's also something that we need to look at very seriously and tackle and find alternatives towards. Um, I do think that maybe one of the biggest concerns that you know is sort of parallel to the plastics discussion is uh consumer habits so we uh have become a little bit more of a disposable culture um we just use things once and throw them away and i think that's also a core piece of the puzzle that needs to be addressed but that's not something that a treaty itself can handle so when you look at this art installation which is saying we need to reduce the amount of plastics that's being created in the world there is both a personal uh, responsibility to reduce our own plastic consumption, our own consumption habits, and to be more responsible. And then also one uh, that can be addressed towards corporations as well as world leaders. So it doesn't really matter where you fall on the spectrum. I hope that the art installation can speak to to you. Um, what the, ins the, the reason why I think this installation is important and the reason I would also like to see this show up in Nairobi is that I, I, it's very easy, I think, to lose focus and and start tackling more downstream uh, impacts of plastic pollution. Uh, and it's very hard to point towards this, the source of the problem, which is this plastic production piece of it, um, because the, the production piece of it is clean. It's an invisible. We don't really see it happening. But the, the, the symptoms of plastic pollution is what we all often very, very much focus on. And so I hope that this can at least draw attention back into um, the, you know, the, the production piece of it. Now, you have a template of how people can build this in, in, you know, on their own. And in, in if, if we don't want to ship this individual thing all over the world, is it, is it easily replicated? Is there, is there opportunities to, to build a lot of these things? So I, I think it's, I, I don't think it's impossible to rebuild, um, the, uh, a theoretically a fabrication shop anywhere in the world could build it. Theoretically, anyone could collect a truckload of plastics and tie it together. Um, it's just that everything takes a lot of time, energy, and effort. Um, so the first time it took us to do all of this, it took about two months to do. And then you still need to actually um, make sure that it's built safely and securely. So uh, we are still trying to figure out exactly what the, the, the template for this is. But if there are any organizations that would like to replicate this uh, in some way, shape, or form, they should definitely hit us up. Um, I, as an artist, am trying to figure out what the business model to something like this is. Like, um, at the end of the day, I'm also hoping to be able to generate a little bit of revenue just to keep 
the innovation half of the equation going. Um, but but as far as UNEA 5.2 goes, uh, you know, we would love to bring the existing art installation to Nairobi. Uh, and so we're in the process of fundraising right now in order to find different partners, people who want to partially sponsor the art installation so that we can get it there and in front of the right people. Amazing. Amazing. I, I just, you know, lots of uh, good vibes to the universe that this this actually happens in February. You know, I guess nobody knows, right, with with everything that's happening with COVID. When yeah, you're, exactly. when you're how, how does something like, how does your inspiration work? Can you, can you show some of your other projects? Can you show the Starbucks straw project and some of the early stuff where you, where you launched into the, into the plastic e ecosystem. Yeah, for sure. So if I just go straight to my website on vonwong.com, um, the work that I do, I guess, I, I try to think of things in metaphors. I try to make sure that it's as accessible as possible. So as an example, the straw insulation that you just mentioned was sort of designed to represent the parting of the plastic sea. So if we believe that um, by the year 2050, there could be more plastics and fish in the sea and we encountered Moses parting the Red Sea, um, maybe it would be one that was just filled with plastics, right? And so this art installation is really built to kind of bring that idea to life. We just collected 168,000 plastic straws and converted into this art installation, which is sort of like a tunnel that you can walk through. Um, you know, the first project that I ever did with plastics was putting a mermaid on 10,000 plastic bottles. And this one, I guess, kind of similarly, uh, was just taking what originally was the ocean and mermaids, which is something that every child has, you know, maybe thought of or encountered um, in their imagination at some point. My five-year-old is very into mermaids and unicorns. <laughs> and and unicorns. Yeah, exactly. And so you're kind of taking something that is, you know, usually perceived as something very hopeful and beautiful, and then you're kind of twisting it a little bit because I think that's that's sort of what we're doing with with our reality. And so a lot of the work that I do sort of tries to encompass that symbolism um you know tackle different topics around overconsumption. um but the plastics one it you know it keeps coming up because it's such a popular one um so the this one over I, love here, the, I love the microfiber ones <laughs> yeah so this one over here for those who can't see is a, a monster made out of clothing crawling out of a, a washing machine threatening these kids um and, uh, and there's a projection of words on the on the floor that says beware. But essentially, it's to say that like the clothing that we wear, which is made of polyester, nylon, spandex, these are all just plastic products that, you know, when you wash it, end up letting a bunch of microfibers loose into the water stream, which is going to come back straight into our drinking water. And so, I don't know, I try to find interesting ways to talk about topics that I feel, you know, science and data are, are really important, but but, but these are these are just different. They hit you in a different way. I'm I'm reading uh, Catherine Hayhoe's book on, on climate change right now and how to talk mm -hmm. to people about climate change is like one of her her big things. And she's one of the I would say top climate scientists or most sort of well known. Um, it's really interesting because she's a she's she's very like Christian forward and like mm. she goes in churches and talks to churches. She's from she's from she's from Toronto actually. But one of her big things is just like, don't talk about stats. Don't talk to people about doomsday stats. They'll just glaze over. And, you know, you, it's like this, there's some, this way to connect emotionally. And like, that's, you know, the, how our organization was, was born really. It was taking people and having them connect emotionally through experience, through being there, through swimming in the middle of the Atlantic ocean or going to Antarctica or, or going in on 
poaching walks in Zimbabwe, like the, the really early impetus of how we came to be. And it, it, it's interesting just what art can do emotionally. Have you, you do such a good job with consumption and I, this is a huge, I know a, a huge chunk of your last few years. What have you, have you thought about, or are there things I don't know about that you've done with other big issues like deforestation or climate change or regenerative ag or any, any sort of the other big sort of sustainable yeah. seafood. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, I tied a model underwater with some sharks swimming around to raise awareness for shark conservation. Uh, I, uh, I went storm chasing using storms as a metaphor for climate change um, to show how like, you know, you can ignore it, but it doesn't mean it's not going to come to you. Um, I, I think, I think in the future, maybe, and this is something that I haven't really told you is, is where I'm headed. So I'm actually getting kind of tired of being an activist um talking about the problems all day long and all the things that aren't working is uh, a very disempowering place to be because you just keep you just keep hearing like you said all these statistics these negative statistics which almost feel anchored in fact when you look at the rate of progress between where we are now and where we want to go and i just feel like it would be so much more exciting to be playing in the innovation space like what are the things that we can start getting excited about what are the materials that are coming out that are helping us solve these problems what are the technologies like you mentioned regenerative agriculture that are out there that are producing innovative solutions that are cool and exciting and so i've been actually thinking that my next projects are going to start shifting away from doing all this trash stuff to start focusing on like interesting and exciting concepts that are that are more about solutions whether they're living art installations or or ones that like integrate like i don't know like a solar piece of the puzzle I, i'm thinking there's a carbon negative concrete that would be really interesting building material to create out of to you know bring that to life and i just think you know my my hypothesis there is that when we look at businesses startups that are trying to scale these technologies like they're just thinking about unit economics market share like all these very practical things in order to survive uh, but art doesn't have to be efficient. Like, it doesn't have to be effective. It doesn't have to make sense. Um, and so there's this whole space in which art can be used to, to help the entire ecosystem, to, to prepare people for these materials, to give them a sense of hope and possibility and to get people to start demanding it. Like we look at different materials out there that have not gotten all that much attention, like seaweed as an example, or kelp is, 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 is a material that that offers a lot of hope when it comes to carbon sequestration and and alternative um, uh, like solutions, even for packaging. Could those be could those be tweaked and modified into um, future positive uh, art installations? And so uh, that's what I would like to actually move into. I'm super excited about this new direction. I mean, a because. It's, there's so much awareness that has to take place about these solutions that's just not there. And some of them might not be ready yet. And certain, you know, certainly, you know, plastic alternatives are nowhere near as cost efficient as virgin plastic and the scalability is not there. It's just not there yet. But you know, getting into this like sort of future casting, like one day they will be, you know, or mm -hmm. it'll be a lot more efficient. And then there's so many other solutions. I'm glad you brought up seaweed. What, what when you think about climate, is it, is it, and, and I won't, want to ask you about your storm chasing but like what what do you feel like do you feel like there's a way to that there is some sort of code that can be cracked to like help well, from from an artistic perspective to, to to inspire people there i mean just i mean dream dream together for a moment for a moment i mean at the end of the day the 
technology is going to get to it whenever the market is ready for it. I mean, there's no way you can work against the market. Um, there is, I know there is definitely a, a piece of it that is, you know, what the people want and what the people ask for. But I know looking at politics today and seeing how polarized people are, sometimes it just feels very hopeless. Um, for me as an artist and as a storyteller, as I look at the climate problem, I think maybe we need to start stop talking about what the problem is and just stop start talking about what's really exciting on the horizon. What are some really cool things like te Tesla, like people who own a Tesla could be climate change deniers. They just wanted a freaking good car that that, that rolls really well. Um, you know, you, you know, you don't need to be vegan to eat a, a Beyond Meat or an Impossible Burger, which um, has a significantly smaller carbon footprint than you know, meat based stuff. And and so on and so forth. And so I think for all the people out there who are just kind of frustrated at the way things are, we need to actually like start designing those exciting solutions that everyone can sort of envision and, and, and want and desire. And so we have to innovate our way out of this one. Um, I talked to a, art, I talk to... Go Sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go. No. I was just saying with, with art, you know, there's like a crisis of imagination. Artists are, are the ones that are supposed to help people um, see something that doesn't yet exist in the world. It's like if I tried to describe what this giant faucet was before actually showing you what it was, it wouldn't work so well. And so artists are, you know, regardless of which field they fall into, um, ha have a, their job is to help people imagine something, to bring something into existence. And so what we need more of, I think, is are these scenes of a hopeful future, um, one, of, one that is exciting and empowering and um, that gets people excited and aligned. We were on a call yesterday with a Vancouver-based company, actually, that mm -hmm. has a plastic alternative that they're like slowly bringing to market that I'd never heard of before. And I and the, I don't even know if the type is, is public yet, but it's basically, it looks and feels like styrofoam, but it's not, it's completely compostable. It goes back to dirt, like dirt to dirt is the way they, talk, they were talking about it. And they actually bake it. You have to like bake the, and it, which turns into what would be this plastic alternative cup. And it's just fascinating to me, like, and it's, it's nowhere, it's nowhere close to being commercially scalable, like in a way that it could compete, but like how, but what's going to, what's going to happen is somebody's going to write a big check to accelerate that, you know? And it's like, how do we, how, with, with these types of technologies that are so cool and so on the cusp, like how are we going to get to that point? You know, you, you, I think you have the, oppor the, the opportunity to bring like a really, you know, huge amount of awareness to these types of solutions, whatever they may be. Mm -hmm. Well, the, the Tom Ford Innovation Prize, I think, is, a, is, is one right now. They have $100 million, I think, they're giving away. So maybe these guys should apply. But um, I'd love to be in touch with them because that material sounds like something that I could build something really cool out of. So, um, you know, uh, I, I, I've been actually thinking of, of starting my own little studio. So probably in uh, December or January, I want to head over to Malaysia and uh, start hiring a little team of, of craftsmen to, um, to start uh, having my own internal team instead of constantly waiting for clients to, uh, the client cycle is just, it's just too slow when it comes to, to big ideas like this. And so I'd much rather start my own thing. So that's uh, on the horizon. I have no idea how or, or, or what it's going to look like, but that's the plan. And I, I'm saying it on air live so that I stay accountable to myself. <laughs> are you Are you going to live in Malaysia? I think I'll travel. I'll travel between. I I don't think like 
so my expertise seems to be some some combination of networking and marketing uh, as well as like a little bit of imagination and so if i can continue finding these innovative and interesting companies on the outside of malaysia and start bringing it into a place like malaysia where i can afford to hire people in in, in a place where i speak the language and i understand the culture i think it makes a lot of sense that is so cool uh we have lots of connects over there like the circulate yeah the circulate capital teams in singapore and they invest in startups and that ellen Perfect. martin you know ellen martin she was on the boat she's incredible yeah. and she's super dialed uh simon baldwin was also on the ocean plastic leadership network with summit with us he yeah. runs a huge incubator called the incubation network over there so like when you start making moves let me know and we'll like dial you in. i mean they're like investing in startups and investing in waste uh waste reclaimer waste uh collecting communities that are doing really interesting things with secondary materials all throughout the region all throughout southeast asia so amazing that's well, amazing. there you go. See, this is why you talk about things live, even when they're half baked. You never know what you're going to find. Exactly. Well, yeah, we we will definitely. Um, we'll, and we've got a lot of really great connects that we've met through our global treaty work with um, even the Vietnamese government, with the Greenpeace and World Wildlife Funds offices all over there. So, anyway, amazing. That is really cool, man. So, there's no way we can get this. There's no way we can get this art installation to COP in a month, huh? We're going to COP26, and I would love to show up with the turn off the plastic tap art. That would be that would be pretty cool. Well, you can print you can print these anywhere, so that would probably be the cheapest, easiest way to get art there. Um, assuming you have space to display it, you can print it as big as a space allows. The alternative would be to find a nonprofit locally that wants to collect, store, clean, tie, um, build uh, everything within that time frame. Uh, and, you know, I, you know it's, it's really interesting because when, you, when I tell the story, I try to make it feel as simple as possible so that people feel empowered that like communities can come together and anything can happen. But I think if you watch the video, it's like a 15 minute video of how this project came together. I think you'll see how much work it was to like bring it together. And it's, uh, it, it's quite a lot of time and so if you have people that want to commit the time anything is possible time i guess there's some resources required to make it happen well we're putting it out into the universe uh live yep. on air as you mentioned right now so <laughs> so who knows who knows i'm going to be at my first cop in uh, in a month that's going to be wild i'm trying to get my head around what exactly that means in green green zones and blue blue zones and uh, mm -hmm. We're going to be doing we're going to be doing the podcast series over there, which is really going to be cool and talking a lot to a lot of finance people and a lot of, uh, you know, certainly getting deep on the climate side of things. That's you know, kind of a, but tell me about this storm chasing thing. I don't know the story. What storms? Where were they? Were those like hurricane chasing in the in the uh, or tornado chasing or? Yeah, that was essentially exactly what it was. So when it came like. This is the first kind of climate project I did, I suppose, where. Actually, where is it? It's got to be here. Oh, there it is. Um, long story short, we went, you know, storm chasing for two weeks and uh, had these massive supercells over over um, the Great Plains. And uh, we just took these shots where people were doing ordinary things in front of these big bring storms, just kind of ignoring what was going on. Um, and that's it. It was a fun series. I, I don't think conceptually it was that strong, but it was the first time that I kind of felt like, oh, I think. I think there is potential in art um, in order to spread messages in an 
unexpected way. It got like 2 million views um, when I launched it, which is fairly successful. I think Gizmodo even covered it um, among a few others. So yeah. How's the uh, amazing, that's super cool, man. How, how, uh, you know, it's interesting. Like when did you do that? That's like five or six years ago, like long, long, long time. It was like before the fires were in like this insane. I mean, there were fires mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. But it was like, it's yeah, just yeah, amazing. Yeah. Like what in the last five years, just how much more intense everything is. And and people are still reading the newspaper, you know, not, you know, it's like, unless it's hitting you, unless you're in, you know, unless you're living where it's hitting. Although, I mean, I, for the first time ever, I'm in New York, I'm in the Catskills ish, a couple hours North of New York city. And the wildfires from the West, I mean, just like walking outside and like having low breathing, you know, low, low bad air quality because of the wildfires in, in, in California and Oregon. That's just insane. You know, 3000 miles away. Yeah. That never happened in my lifetime. I mean, I think in anybody's lifetime that's been over here. Um, so, but I like your, I like your, your focus to focus on the solutions, man. So yeah, what, what I think, I think it'll be interesting to start shifting towards that. So with uh, have, how's the launch been so far with this, with the, the turn off the plastic? Well, I was supposed to launch on Monday and uh, Monday, the, the, the whole social media went down for like six hours. And so that totally screwed up a whole bunch of launch plans that I had. Like the, the project was embargoed until then. And some people still posted and cause, it, cause everyone schedules everything. And so at the end um, it was a very, very messy launch. It has been, the photos have been super successful on Instagram and Facebook, but I'm finding it increasingly hard to measure. Like, how do you measure if something is successful? How do you measure whether or not people are touched? How do you measure whether or not the ca campaign has an impact? Um, is it the number of people who share it? Is it the number of people that like it? Is it the number of organizations that share it? Is it, is it the amount of press mentions that it receives? It's kind of like, it's really hard to track these days. I think in the past, it used to be centralized around, let's say, video views when Facebook alone was the sole distributor of, of video content or, or YouTube. Um, and these days, I just, I just don't really know. So I don't know. I, I think the launch is going well. The response is good. People, people are interested in it. But with the work that I do, increasingly, what I'm starting to realize is that it's not a short-term game. It's a long-term game. Like, now, if you type turn off the plastic tap on Google, I own that. I own that search term. So I have like a very strong SEO play for an issue that, you know, if we don't talk about turning off the plastic tap this year, we're going to talk about it next year. And if it's not next year, it's going to be in five years. And if it's not in five years, it's going to be in 10. Uh, and so these images, I think, are going to be eternally relevant until we actually start addressing the core systemic issues and start answering them. So, you know, when you take it, when you take the perspective of the long view, um, I think the work that I, I'm trying to create is timeless in a way. Um, and and that's, I guess, all you can hope for as an artist is for it to continuously serve um, uh, its original intention. Are there other artists specifically that like are, you would say are like some of your inspirations on your on the environmental front? Uh, I guess not, not really. I mean, there's some like really fantastic artists that exist in the world. Um, well, it's a lot of for, for, I mean, amazing photographers for sure that are just taking pictures of what's happening. And I mean, but I, you, your style is so unique and so different. I was just curious. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know any other people who who does the kind of stuff that I do. Um, I think the work that I do is kind of on its it's its own little category, which is 
simultaneously a good and bad thing. It's like neither good nor bad. Um, it just is. And so I've been trying to figure out, yeah, I, I find it really hard. I find it very lonely to be in my space. And it's, it's similar in the, like the innovation space, like trying to go and say, Hey, I want to go and create uh, experimental art installations that are designed to play with regenerative materials. Like who else is doing that? I don't know. So I think <laughs> it's quite hard. Um, so, so it's a little bit of a lonely journey in that I, I have no mentors. I'm not too sure. Like I have to kind of always I have to meet people and draw tangential experience and try to borrow from it. So if anyone has any ideas, uh, or, you know, particularly the business side, let me know. I need help. Came on, came on. Well, I, I yeah. want to end it there. I think, I think this, you know, a your art continues to blow us away at the ocean plastic leadership network and, uh, everything that we're doing over here, anything we can do to support any connections we can make. You let me know. You got it. Thank you for all your help uh, with the global treaty efforts that we've done this year. And we will, we'll, you know, let's let's put our heads together about how we can figure out how to get this installation uh, to Nairobi. Knock on wood, everything goes on as planned there. Um, we got some great partners on the ground there as well, and have gotten to know the UN team there pretty well. So, um, with that, any any parting words, any call to action, anything you know, you'd you'd love to tell the I. Uh, we can share that form that you shared with us earlier. Do you want to yeah, talk about that yeah. to close out? Yeah, I know. So, I mean, if, if, if you are someone who wants to sponsor this art installation at the United Nations, uh, please fill out the form. You know, if you can drop a couple thousand dollars, five, ten, whatever, um, <laughs> that would be super helpful. Um, just let us know. And then if you want to actually sponsor this in your, in your own town or if you would like to find a permanent home for it, uh, do let us know. I mean, we, right now it's staying in a gallery, but by and large, like finding a place for something to stay forever is really, really hard. Um, and so that's something that I've always been working towards, like instead of having that just get destroyed ultimately. So um, yeah, and if anyone wants to use the images, similarly, just hit me up and uh, always happy to support. Amazing. Can you bring it up just one more time so we can leave, leave on that note? <laughs> All right, I'm gonna share my screen one more time. Uh, so anyways, this is the form which is kind of boring. And then the art would be, where's my blog? Right, here it is. Yeah, here are some more images of the shots. So this one's on the beach, you know, where we would actually like map out where the sun is gonna be at a specific time and make sure that it could go. Um, this is the landfill with my nephew that we kidnapped and uh, inserted into the art installation in order to make it happen. And then I think the last, oh, here, these are really interesting. I, you know, I think if you get the chance to just check out the blog, it'll be really fun because you can see like the remixes of all these different artists that have come together to to kind of interpret oh, so cool. how this art installation killed. Isn't that fun? Aren't these Dude, cool? That is so cool. Yeah. So I'm like super excited about it. Some of them are like really positive. Some of them are really negative. Some of them are super fantastical. Some of them are super surreal. So there's like a huge variety of stuff um, that has come out of this and it's just it's just really, really fun. So um, I'm really enjoying the remixes that are coming out. Um, I'm super proud of everything that's happened. Oh, and like I said, we're, we're giving away a bunch of, of prizes. So including a, like a $3,000 electric scooter, $1,000 camera. We're giving away prints from the campaign. All you need to do is like take action, support all these different nonprofits who are fighting or spread the word. And you know, we, have, we have computers to give away. We have cameras, we have subscriptions, we have gift cards. Um, so it's all pretty exciting stuff. I'm so glad I made you bring this up again because to see those remixes. <laughs> those remixes are cool, aren't they? 
those remixes are badass, man. That's a they're so fun. They're so fun. I'm so excited. And 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 now the public is starting to to create them. Like they're they're new entries that keep getting added in. So I seeded the idea. Now it's uh you know the the grains are coming back. The flowers are coming back. What's your Twitter handle? Uh, my Twitter is at the the Von Wong, um, and then Instagram is at Von Wong. V O N W O N G. Amazing. Ben Von Wong, thank you so much, brother. All right, thank you, buddy. Take enjoy, care. enjoy Hawaii. Take it easy. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Mahalo. <laughs> Aloha.